0: My name is Isabel Nedem and I have beaten the often path by creating um, an innovative and sustainable sanitation system in urban settlements in my second home country, Peru.
1: Do you know what day it is? It's a very special day, a day that I'm sure you've got marked in your calendar. It's World Toilet Day. And we've got a very special edition of the Beat the Often Path podcast for you today. My guest today is Isabel Medem, co-founder of Sanima, a social startup that took on the challenge of providing sanitation to Peru, specifically Lima, Peru, a city where 850,000 plus people are denied access to basic sanitation, something that most of us take for granted every day. World Toilet Day raises awareness of the fact that roughly 4.2 billion people are living without access to safely managed sanitation. Isabel was extremely bothered by this statistic, so she and her co-founder decided to build a company to tackle this problem at its core. Now this subject is taboo, it's extremely unsexy to say the least, but it's one of the most profound issues facing humanity as a whole today. So I'm very pleased to introduce you to somebody who is doing something about it, Isabel Medem of Sanima. So. As we all know, welcome to the show. Great introduction. I'm intrigued already. We know that sanitation is not important, not a big deal. So what's the fuss about?
0: Yeah, what's the fuss about? That's that's what I thought when I first met my co-founder 10 years ago in Berlin. Um, and she she started opening my eyes to this huge problematic in the world that is usually described as sort of you know, a third of the world population does not have access to a toilet in their home. Um, third. And that, Oof. of course, uh, then when you start thinking about it like that, you're like, oh, wait a second. I just used the toilet or I, you know, I'm, it's everywhere. Well, how, what does it mean that billions of people don't have that? And then, um, of course, you immediately realize that that um, is effectively uh, unacceptable um, because it means that. Um, you have to use alternatives, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't have a choice. You have to go to the toilet. So you use alternatives. And those are, depending on if you're living in rural areas or in urban areas, um, uh, um, especially in urban areas, very, very risky for your health, for your safety as women, um, and in general, just a burden for your well-being. And... What I what I personally found so so impactful or depressing about it was that I felt that that is something that should be provided. You know, it should be provided by the government to to as it is in in all countries. It, it's yeah. provided. You don't make it sort of decision that you make when you move into an apartment. You don't say, "Oh, I'd like an apartment with a toilet." With it's a toilet, please. There. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's and one um, isn't
1: enough for Westerners. We need two or three.
0: Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's, for me, it's infuriating, right? It's like, how come this is not something that, that is on top on the, you know, the highest priority and yeah. uh, on the agenda for, for governments, for my co-founder, what was particularly her sort of uh, interest lied, lay more in, was lied more in the, in the, um,
1: either or both,
0: <laughs> whole treatment, yeah, was more in the, in the, in the treatment aspect of it, which is also true, which is we flush Uh, liters of water clean perfectly clean water down the drain um that then has to be cleaned again etc so it's a whole environmental aspect that is not sustainable as well um so you can you know yeah, I can go on talking about that okay. forever, and I've ruined many a uh, dinner conversation through that already.
1: <laughs> right. Why is it that people don't like hearing about these kinds of things? What is it about you? <laughs> that's, that's the mission that we're all on, but who cares? We're not here for those people. We're here for the people who care. <laughs> we're here for the people who are open to these types of topics. That's what we're doing. First, before we jump into that, I have to say, so you're based out of Lima, Peru right now. Are you in Lima, Peru right now?
0: No, right now I'm in London.
1: London. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I came across your thing. You talked about Lima, Peru, which I have to say is one of the coolest cities I've ever had the privilege of going to in my entire life. Peru, I still maintain, has the best food in general of any country I have ever been to. By such a large margin, the diversity of food that's available in Peru is just shocking. Things that have no relation. Mm-hmm. You have rocoto riena, You've got uh, some of the best sushi. <laughs> or you've got uh, ceviche. All of these incredibly different, diverse things. Uh, I just had such a great time there. Um, I was uh, my college roommate, housemate, flatmate, if you will, was from Lima, actually. So I went because of him. He took me there and we just had the greatest trip ever. Went to Machu Picchu, did all of that stuff and it changed me forever. So very excited to talk about that in general Okay. But through yeah. discovering your story, I have learned that there are quite a few challenges and problems in Lima regarding this issue. So, where do we begin on your journey? Where did it start?
0: Uh. Well, it's it's that's a, It's a difficult question. In in there are several answers to that. I guess on a, on just sort of. Me perspective, it it started simply with the fact that I'm I I am half Peruvian. My mother is Peruvian. My father is German. By if you just go by passports, yes. Um, and uh, so I grew up going to Peru a lot, and, and sort of having, I grew up sort of mostly in Vienna, Austria, mm. but we went to Peru a lot, and so I I I got early on a lot of contact with the country, with the language, with the food, um, and with um, the, the 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 type of lives that people live there, both in 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 super super high society, very sort of wealthy surroundings, as well as the ones that impacted me more, uh, the the not so uh, well off um, uh, people. Right. You would say those living in poverty. Um, and sort of the unfairness about that Um, and then and then that always stuck with me and and I always felt sort of like when I was in Europe I was like wait but but as Europeans we're also very much connected historically with um, (laughs) South America and with with other parts of the world and and colonialism and all of those things and so I was always like wait what happened what is going on here Um, and so that's Sort of that. I always wanted to understand or I was always very sort of disturbed by injustice or un- unfairness. The How I got into sanitation was by accident. As I said, I met, I bumped into or I met my my co-founder who, who or the co-founder or the founder of the organization who became my, my business partner when I was living in Berlin briefly. And she was very interested in, in the topic of sanitation. I wasn't really for, 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 because I find it such a complex um, infrastructure engineering topic usually, but I found really interesting this idea of saying, okay, well, let's think of a way of, of looking at this problem by focusing on the problem and by listening to those affected by it. Mm. Um, and the way to do that for, for me at that time was by designing sort of a system or or a, um a product um in this sort of entrepreneurial manner, if you, if you will. Uh, yes. Today I think about that differently, but back then that was that was very much mine, I think.
1: Okay, so, so that's you, how that started. Yeah. That's great. So how did you decide to get started? What was the first steps that you took? Uh
0: the first step that we took was um to we were we were sort of like going a little bit in circles at that time we were sitting in berlin doing a lot of research and trying to build a a business model on paper doing a lot of calculations trying to make to just to understand okay how would this work you install a toilet in a person's home but then you pick that waste up there's a whole operational logistical aspect to it Um, and then you also charge for that but you don't want to charge too much because this is not, this is more symbolical. How would all of this work? So mm. we spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. And then we also tried to, um, to which is pointless after after a certain point you have to stop doing that and just sort of jump into it. But we were doing that. And then we were also trying to get um, investments, initial investments from, from a few very generous individuals back then in Austria and in Germany. Um, and then we made a mistake, which was we we first went to a country that we had no connection to at all, which was India, mm. which is on top of it, you know, a huge um, it's a huge country. It's, a, it's it was just sort of like why why were we even doing that? Yeah, um, it was sort of like a leftover of what what the initial founders of the organization had had um, in mind, and so we kind of went there, but it was it was very quickly like let's not do that, and then we re regrouped and we're like, okay, so what are we going to do? Because we have this funding. Yeah. And then and then we started researching again. And I said, I think we should give Peru a try because at least one of us knows the language, has a bit of network there, and we're not like completely um, you know, like aliens arriving somewhere. Right. Even though we were still, but not as much.
1: Yes. And so those
0: were the first steps. And then and then it yeah. was buy a plane ticket and go and go to Peru, literally. Buy a plane ticket, go and talk to start talking to organizations, start, yeah, start talking.
1: So you mentioned that you're talking about a waterless solution. How quickly in the Mm -hmm. process did you realize that it had to be a waterless solution and why?
0: So that was from the beginning. That was from the beginning because because if you... If you do a water toilet, you need the infrastructure, you need piping, mm-hmm. uh, you need construction, you need investments um, and you need a whole system and you need a treatment facility for that. So that's just not also from a sustainable sort of environmental aspect. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But it was mainly also because we were like, well, we want something that works for for households now. We want something that that they just have to say, oh, yes, please, I want this. I'll also I'll, I'll sign a contract. Uh, and so, for that, we needed it to be in, sort of independent of um, of uh, of infrastructure, of any form of installation or something. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the the decision. And we we first designed our own toilet, which was also one of the first steps in Peru. We spent a couple of months or weeks designing with with a, a Peruvian a Peruvian team. We built a Peruvian team very quickly. Um, very interesting prototypes came out, few of which actually lasted, yeah. but uh, we worked with our own prototype for a while. We produced it in Peru, but and then we now have a partnership with a great um, Swedish to- dry toilet manufacturer, um, who has been a great, great partner um, in providing these these uh, toilet models for us. And, and in that way, also took a burden away from us um, because we didn't have to think about design, production, testing, all of those things, which is a huge headache.
1: And now it's time for a segment we like to call Ask the Streets. Do you know about World Toilet Day on November 19th? I am unaware of World Toilet Day. Okay, well it is, it's not a joke. What do you think it means? Why do you think there is a World Toilet Day? Um, well, I would say there's a World Toilet Day because toilets are really important. Okay, why are they so important? Um, because I, they shuttle away all sorts of disgusting waste that would otherwise make our lives very difficult. Yes. And if you had to take a guess, how many people do you think in the world don't have access to a proper toilet or sanitation facility? I would say one in 10. One in 10? One in 10, just under a billion people. Just under one billion people? It's actually 3.6 billion people, just under 40% of the world population. Wow, that's, um, that's shocking. That's shocking, yeah. What do you think we should do about it? Oh, way too big of a question for a guy like me. Okay. I have no idea. Then let's get back to the show and figure it out. 850,000 people lack access in just Lima alone Mm -hmm. to proper Mm -hmm. sanitation, and they use all kinds of other jury-rigged systems like latrines, buckets, or they just go outside on the street And uh, anybody who doesn't live under circumstances like that can appreciate this. If you have, for example, a garbage collector that comes every week, as I do here, um, have you ever had a time where they didn't pick up the trash one week and you've got trash stacked or your your trash can is full? Then you can understand how quickly things can get really out of hand. Now, you skip two weeks of trash collection and you've got a mess on your hands, three weeks. so take that to the extreme when it comes to people not having toilets. And I've seen in documentaries, like if you're probably familiar with Inside Bill's Brain, the Netflix documentary about Bill Gates, he's been trying to solve this problem as well. You can see just how massive this problem becomes so quickly. Um, And it was interesting for me to note that he also, they came up with a, a waterless system. I think in his method, they tried to reclaim drinking water from it, but Maybe others just burn the waste. What was the solution for you that you came up with?
0: So the solution that we came up with was to 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 to, to, to have to focus on getting the waste out of out of people's homes. Okay. So basically, to not do what Bill Gates thinks Interesting. is the
1: solution. Great.
0: Um. Uh, and that is to say, okay, um, yes, it's all good and nice to find a magical toilet that you can put in someone's home. Good luck finding that because uh, it, it must cost a lot. Like a, a toilet that, that sort of gets rid of waste and sort of makes drinking water, whatever. It's like, okay, like if that, if someday someone finds that and it's cheap and all of that, okay. But uh, for now, it, it, that's a focus that takes away. Um, that's, that sort of leaves out the urgency that I felt mm. uh, um, is is sort of a reality, right? Which mm-hmm. is like, okay, well, right now things aren't really working so well. So what we said was, okay, so we're going to try to find the best quality, um, best looking uh, and most practical toilet that can be put in a person's home without... That home or that person having to do much for that. Um, And so this is how we came up with the the, this this sort of mobile toilet. So Mm. first we designed it. It was our own product, which is a toilet that you can just put like a chair. You put it somewhere. Uh, And now we use separate, but the idea the separate the brand, the Swedish brand. But the idea was still the same. You put it in there and it works um, as a toilet. Perfectly without water. Of, co- of course, this is sort of the second option that to to what what w- what would be perfect, right? Would currently, with current standards, which is a flush toilet and whatever. Mm. But in my opinion, the second best would be that. So you the toilets and the experience of going to a toilet and not having to use a pit latrine anymore, not being scared. Children are very scared of falling into pit latrines,
1: sure. <laughs> Right. for women, so. I can imagine. I mean, yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> and
0: for and for women or or people who menstruate, um, it is it is completely um uh hassle to use a pit latrine in those moments it, you're very prone to infectious diseases pregnant uh women so it's it's a whole um uh, uh um sort of also also this this shame of sort of not having a proper toilet in your home mm-hmm. um so so to, to just sort of have a to- we we, ho- we hope to take care of that part with the toilet but what for us was the most important thing was like but if that's only one part of the problem because the toilet fills up and we need to take that burden off of people's minds as well. And so that's why we focused on designing a service on designing a way in which we can every week reliably um, and respectfully pick up um, and take away uh, the accumulated feces so that the users no longer have to worry about that. Um, and so we developed that system. We developed a system through which, for a while, we used a truck. Now we use tuk tuk cars. Hmm. Uh, we have a jingle and we go by very, very early in the morning before people like an uh, go ice cream truck. Work.
1: There's a certain sound like that ice people cream recognize. we have a, we have a, we
0: have a jingle. Um, and uh, we go past, um, we have different routes. Every day is a different route for a couple of hours. And our, our team goes by and picks up. And collects the waste, um, and then our ideal was to turn it into compost. Right? There are a couple of other organizations similar to ours in other parts of the world who do v- very interesting sort of re- waste to resource stuff. We're still trying to figure that part out as well. That would be great, right? To turn mm-hmm. it into um, coal or into compost. We tried compost for a while, but for now we just take it away. Okay. And so um, what we what so this means that we focused really on trying to provide something that is relevant for households uh, right now. Yeah. I just want to say something small about sort of this whole household and slum thing or sort of informal settlements. Um, I'm not sure how it is in other parts of the world, but I know that in Lima, um, the way that these these informal settlements generally um, have come to existence is usually seen as sort of like this illegal, um, uh, informal uh, sort of thing, suddenly people appear and they're there and now they're right. claiming all of these services and, you know, why? They, they came here sort of without doing it the proper way. Right. Um, and that's actually not true. What is true is that there are a lot of people in Lima or either they come to Lima for his, for historical reasons um, or they are already in Lima and they are in need of their own home. The city does not invest in housing hmm. for their citizens. And since they're like, I have literally nowhere to go. I can't stay at my in my uncle's room for the rest of my life. I'm making my doing my having my own family or whatever it is that you're doing. And so they take advantage of a law, or they use a law that said that allowed people to claim rights to un used government land if they stay on it for, I think the window was 24 hours, it keeps changing. But my point is that they that what they say is, okay, so we'll get together and group with other people that we don't really know, but we know that we have to be a group. We'll go squat on this government owned land. And then we will enter a legal process through which we can start building ourselves a district of the city. And through which then we can start claiming municipal services. And so actually what they're doing, what they've been doing, is that they've, they've had to take into their own hands their own... Um, everything. 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 And so this lack of, you know, when you say they don't have access to sanitation, it's actually like the government isn't providing it to them. It right. is not being thought of, it is not being developed for uh, all of these parts of, of, of the city.
1: It's just land, and
0: so I think I'm saying this because I think it's important to situate what we do within that context. You know, yes. we don't we don't arrive there, and people are like, "Oh my God, I never thought of a toilet! Thank you so much." <laughs> they know they're very much it's a, it's an it's an ongoing thing, yeah. right? So we're we're there. We're like, look, this might work for you now. You can always choose to use it or not because we charge for it. So it's not you know. Um, I hope it helps for now, but we, we are aware that you're, you know, aiming for something larger and we're, you know, we're with you on that.
1: Yeah. So you decided to run a pilot program in one Mm -hmm. particular urban slum. Uh, How did you select the place? How big was the place and what was the pilot program that you did?
0: And what was the what?
1: What was the pilot program? How did you start with that first test case?
0: So the, the 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 first area of Lima that we that we decided to do that on was suggested to us by an organization that was also working on sanitation. So I had I had no idea. I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out because it's so big that you you wouldn't really know. It was a very very small area situated in a on a very strange place. It was situated right outside of a, tr- a water and sanitation treatment plant, funnily enough.
1: Ironically enough, great.
0: Ironically enough. Ouch. Yeah, and they were, so it was between on that patch of land and a sort of semi-highway thing. And people were selling a lot of um, plants. Um, there was also pig stables, a very, lots of little small businesses. Um, and we, we sort of... Asked to speak to the leaders of the community, I think, um, because again, in in this process of sort of becoming formalized, they they organized legally with leaders and everything, and we presented our idea. But it was must have been really strange the way that we looked and the way that we just sort of started talking about toilets and and, and ideas. We didn't have a prototype yet, so that's how we then started. And and it wasn't really like we were received with open arms. And then so then we went to knock on 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 people's doors and asked whether they would be willing to participate in a very short test um, of toilets and whatever. And and some of them said yes. And then we designed, or my business partner and her her team designed um, some toilet prototypes. And that was a pilot. Like we put them in there, let them stay over the weekend. um, And then we would ask them to tell us, you know, what went wrong, what didn't work, what blah, blah, blah. And then very quickly, we also started to offer the pickup system. Because Mm -hmm. as I said, from the beginning, we knew that that had to work. Mm -hmm. Um, The toilet was probably going to work, but we needed the the service to work. And we needed to know whether people were willing to hand us, uh, you know, a bucket. Um, And whether they were willing to pay a little bit for it. We charged something very small, not not what we charge uh, today. Um, and that was what it was about—to see how whether 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 they would accept that, yeah, whether they would find that interesting, yeah.
1: And when you're taking away these buckets, where are you taking them to?
0: We used to take them to a, a plant that we sort of made. We rented a piece of land and sort of on that uh, did some composting tests. We worked with one of the universities of Lima to to sort of design the best process to make compost out of it. That was quite interesting. Um, and that's what we did for a long time. Um, until a few years ago, we decided we needed to um, put a break on that. Um, so we're now taking it to a land, to register official landfill with an with official uh, waste collection company until we find a final way to, to turn it into a, a resource. And also again, in order, in order to focus on, on the core, right? Which is a customer, very customer oriented.
1: That's great. So by 2015, I see that you had about 320 families that you were working with. Um, and at this time, it looks like you started to get recognized. So talk to me about the uh, Startup Peru Award. How did that come about?
0: How did that come about? <laughs> uh you know, I don't know because it, there was this time, 2014, 2015, where we suddenly, yes, exactly. We got we got recognized. We got like we were on the Fords thirty under thirty list, MIT technology reviewed review and I and I, yeah, and startup Peru. And yeah, we got like it was like a thing that started to sort of uh, connect to the next, right? Um, I think we probably must have uh, uh, competed in some form of competition for a startup group.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: because in the entrepreneurship world, people love competition and they love seeing entrepreneurs sort of fight over stuff. And so we probably, that's how we probably did it.
1: Okay. So on the one hand, you're meeting with the the leaders of these areas, these slums and you had sort of a cool reception from them, but maybe other parts of the global community were recognizing your work. Did people in Peru start to recognize the value of what you were doing, or was it an uphill battle the whole way?
0: Um, I think. Uh, I think what what I what I most. It, it was all an uphill battle. It's mm. all. It was all an uphill battle because also. Um, with the communities that we were working in, um, and 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 I I personally spent a lot of time not so much with leaders but with 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 households with all all sorts of different households. Other people were more in charge of the strategic um, community leader thing. I was very much with households, and there it was just fascinating to see, or and also you know um, challenging and and a bit sort of heartbreaking to see the the. Um, the, the decision process that people go through bef- up until saying, okay, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for this toilet because yeah. it's a financial, um, commitment. Um, and it goes in, you know, it's, it's weighed against all the other things and other burdens and other, um, uh, you know, struggles and projects and, and, and things that people, um, have to do they want to send their children to school and again because school isn't free in Peru or very difficult to get by they have to invest in that there are so many things that people have to uh, constantly decide over that that for us to get in there it's it's not it's not easy but yes so we were serving hundreds of families already at that point Um, yes we were getting recognition both in Peru and also outside of Peru through the things that I mentioned before but both in Peru and also outside of Peru, so in the, in the global north, if you will, um, it, it became a huge challenge to talk about what we did in a way that people understood and also in a way respected it because it's, mm. it was sort of like, oh yeah, that's so nice. So what's your impact? And then you say, well, you know, now a person has a toilet in their home. No, but I mean, like, what's the impact? Like, do they have less, um, you know, gastrointestinal diseases? And I was like, I'm not gonna ask them that. And also, how do you even measure that? And also, will you be willing to pay for some a study like that? Mm-hmm. And then, it, then that it was like, ooh. you know, so there was this, 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 this way of asking us or trying to figure out what we do that was. Um, a mixture of sort of disbelief and sort of constantly challenging you to prove it. Um, and and especially when you enter the social entrepreneurship world, people expect even more because they want it to have a huge social impact, which you have to measure in, in many, many ways. And they expect you to have um, to be a self-sustaining business model. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is no talk of government. So you're not allowed to say, Um, Oh, I think I would like to work with the ministry of this and that, or is there a way that we could find a way to subsidize this? No, it has to work on its own, you know, and that's a very, it has to make money and and it has to, um, yeah.
1: But in a situation like this, that's really hard because to charge more is directly negatively impacting the very people that you're trying to help. So you're, you have a conflict there from the outset, basically.
0: And it's also hypocritical to expect that because in 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 Lima, for instance, um, sanitation and water is heavily subsidized. people in in areas where you do have that pay pay a very, very discounted price. And in other parts of the world, sanitation and and sewage systems are managed publicly and subsidized. Um, uh, we're not charged what it actually costs. none of us are no. so <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a huge infrastructure system. So at at this time yeah. you were called X Runner. The company was called X Runner. Yeah. And you became yeah. Peru's first certified B Corp, which is pretty cool. Was that how did that come about? Yeah.
0: How did how did you find all of these things? Oh, I, I, <laughs> you're 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 making me walk down memory. <laughs> ah!
1: <laughs> the internet okay, yes, The came, power of the Internet.
0: <laughs> the certified B Corp. How did that come about? It came about because we were we participated in um in an in an incubator, I think it was called, you know, social startup incubator ah, yes. or something. And they had a they had someone there who was from B Corp, and they suggested that we you could do like a um, like a survey or whatever. You could ask answer a couple of questions to see how your impact would be measured, or I don't remember exactly what it was, but it turned out well. We did it, and and we got a really high ranking. We got like a really huge points. And she was like, "Whoa, you could really." Um, you should apply for, for, for that. And we said, oh, that's actually really helpful because it, it, it represents a lot of the things that we believed in. Right. Yeah. Um, and it would help us give our organization also like, I guess, a sort of a certificate or, or, or a, a brand that might be recognized in, in, you know, in the, in the English speaking world.
1: Normally, this is the point in the show where we'd run a little ad, and oftentimes the ad is self serving, just asking you to like, share, comment, subscribe, and follow the show, which is all very valuable stuff. But today, being World Toilet Day, I have loftier goals on our mind. So instead, this little ad is to ask you to donate, to donate to one of the foundations or charities that are tackling this problem on World Toilet Day, which you can find online, or to make a donation directly to Sanima, which is sanima.pe, Peruvian site, that's sanim ape e Do some good today, help solve this problem, or, The least you can do is just share this story with somebody else who needs to hear it so we can raise awareness of this issue together. That's it. Now back to our very interesting conversation. Talk about ideas like this at scale, where you need to do something massive. Funding is obviously a huge part of that. You mentioned briefly about some of the investors that you had. How much funding, how much investment did you need to start this? And how did you go about getting that?
0: Um, at the beginning, the first funding that we got was investment. People bought shares of an organization, which we don't have anymore. So that was the only time we actually had investment. Okay. Um, and you know what? I don't remember, but I think it must have been something like 60,000 euros or maybe a bit more, maybe 100,000. I don't remember, but I think it was less. Um, and that's i think and i think back then the estimations or or the reason that that was sort of like an, an amount that we were working with with was because we at that point still felt that we were would have to produce the toilet which is the huge uh, cost mm. factor right the design and then producing getting a, a tooling and then producing it mm. um but that's yeah i mean that's i but i think ultimately what we need we would have needed yeah we needed a couple of 10, yeah, like 40,000 euros, 60,000 euros, something just to do the the whole um, getting to Peru, hiring a couple of people um, and then buying materials and those kind of things. But I think the most important thing was to hire people, nice. to build a team very, very quickly. I think that to me, that was the most important thing. Build a team now. Don't just keep it in your head and, and don't make yourself like the 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 only person that will be thinking about this. Get
1: other people in it. That's such a smart approach. I love that idea. Take away your own bottleneck yeah. um so yeah. after nine years relatively recently, X runner became sanema uh what mm-hmm. was the decision there
0: so um the decision the the, 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 um, the thing is that the name x runner was actually in it's it it was thought of even before I joined the organization. It was thought of for you know our our initial the initial idea of going to india and uh, that then very soon ended and it but we because we were preoccupied with other things we're like we're not going to change the name now let's just first focus on trying the whole thing out but we never liked the name really didn't really, everybody's like what does it mean and what's the story of it and i and i hate and people were like it sounds like a sports brand oh, yeah or I like I a agree. car I
1: mean, yeah <laughs>
0: right or like a car exactly yeah so we never we were never happy with the name, which is why, for instance, in 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 Lima, with our customers, it had we used a different brand, um, and then the legal entity in Lima had an, another name altogether. So we just thought that it was time to now, after so many years, to really sort of um, just f- figure out one name, uh, make it, and have it sound not english obviously but 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 more latin american Mm -hmm. um and and also then take advantage of such a change to to you know also change colors and reinvigorate everyone a bit um around it yeah um yeah that was that was the idea
1: i understand okay great and you've even been recognized by the united nations which is pretty amazing when did that happen
0: uh, to, what are you f-
1: referring to? Uh, it says you're in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. I read that you've been recognized by the United Nations, or am I mistaken? Well, about so that?
0: we, yeah, so we we are our our service directly impacts a couple of Sustainable Development Goals. Mm. Obviously, the one about sanitation. Then I think um, something with urban gender. A couple. Um, I think what the recognition, what I'm, um, I, what I get that you might be referring to is the fact that. The type of sanitation that we do is, is called academically. Now, we, we our sector, our, our, the type of, I told you there are other organizations who do a similar type of yeah. sanitation that we do. And right. this sector has sort of coined the term for, it's called container-based sanitation. Gotcha because it's a the type of sanitation right that is based on a container being picked up or emptied which is which until 10 years ago was new it's not something that was done and therefore for us it was difficult to to understand well where is it located within official definitions of sanitation because i think you have uh, improved sanitation safe sanitation etc cetera, etc cetera, and our work within with all these with the other organizations led to our type of sanitation be officially considered as safe sanitation. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, we might have to double check that. Okay. But that's how what
1: I remember. That yeah. makes sense. Well, that's great. Great that it's being yeah. recognized in such a way. Um, Now, at the start of this, before we started recording, actually, you mentioned that after 10 years of entrepreneurship, which is a long time, 2012, we're coming mm. up on 2022 here, Uh, you have some critical observations or there are some things that you've seen as questionable. I'm curious... What are some of the negative things that you've witnessed?
0: So, uh, I think that that um, I've 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 always been skeptical. I mean, I think in general I'm skeptical. It's sort of like a, 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 my nature. But 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 more recently, I found ways to sort of um, give name to a couple of the things that I was always a bit skeptical of, mm. and discover new ones. And so I think. Um, a couple of the ones that I, I feel a bit critical towards, and that I talk a lot about with my team in Peru, because it's not something that I just think about on my own. I, we have a lot of conversations and we we discuss these things. It's sort of first of all this idea that that, and I mentioned this earlier when I when I talked about the context of how Lima's settlements even come about. Often in social entrepreneurship, problems are sort of thought of in an isolated manner it's like this one problem so either it's water or it's education or um you know uh, access to to electricity things like that are 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 talked about as though this was like a problem that exists in isolation Mm. and that is not connected to um historical or political um issues when, when they really are, right? So we, I think we commit the mistake of taking politics or depoliticizing um, poverty as a whole ah. by talking about these things as this one thing. So when I would go to conferences, to these pitching events or whatever, I would always only talk, oh, sanitation so and so many billion people don't have access to sanitation. This is awful. And we have found this solution to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a bit sort of like, but that's, um, a very sort of particular way of talking about it that might not resonate or might not actually reflect what is actually going on on the ground, which is on the ground. People have been fighting for this all their time. They're saying it all the time. We need this. And it's not being provided to them. And then also this way of saying people lack access to often makes it sound as though um Innocent it were the responsibility of them to right. sort of find access to it, as though it's also something that you can sort of plug into. Right.
1: Um,
0: you're not saying, you're not, you're sort of making it sound as though the responsibility lies with those affected by it and not with those who should be providing it. Um, then I think there's also this thing of, of social entrepreneurs themselves being, Um, hyped a little bit, you know, as, as sort of, you you get these awards, you get, um, I mean, I didn't get that many. I'm sure there are many more and people get much more, but even if you get a few, it's like, Oh, okay. So you're, you're, it's, it's very quickly, suddenly you're, you're talked to, or sort of celebrated as an individual. um, And as someone who has somehow had this, this amazing idea um, and who who can also now speak about a problem with a lot of sort of authority, um, and who can also sort of speak um, about uh, 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 or sort of represent uh, or be the voice of these people that you're that you're helping, right? Which yeah. is a bit, which is problematic um, because, um, especially if you think about the fact, okay, yes, I'm Peruvian, but half Peruvian and I'm, and I'm white, I'm not, and I'm not from uh, the, the areas that I'm working in. And, and I'm given a lot of space, a lot of sort of a platform to talk about all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I still believe in the work that we do. I still, I still, um, as I say, these are things that we discuss with the team in Peru as well, because it's, you know, as much as you, and I think the more you love something, the more you also have to be able to be critical about it. Um, and and I think that social entrepreneurship does um, commit this mistake that we sort of completely, um, cr- we create this this space for us, for those who had this idea, who, who come in there, talk about it in a way that erases a lot of uh, voices and histories and, and facts. And um, also, makes it a very sort of market-based, business-based approach to to something so structural like like and systemic like poverty.
1: Yeah. That all rings true for me. I completely understand what you're trying to say. You've got this glamorous side over here, <laughs> galas and awards <laughs> and luncheons and fancy dinners and meanwhile perhaps the original mission has been forgotten about slightly or takes a back seat to this other more prestigious thing i completely yeah
0: and but but it's something that that's that that the whole ecosystem of social entrepreneurship does right so it's also the ones who, who 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 give money who who expect social entrepreneurs to present things in a certain way um it's it's the whole it's the whole sector
1: yeah yep we pat ourselves on the back and say job done and that's the end of that but yeah i get your frustration um what would you say? I know we're running low on time here, so let's let's go to yeah. another little piece here, so what in mm-hmm. all of this ten years, ups and downs, extremes on both sides, I'm sure what was your most <laughs> triumphant moment? What was the moment where you felt best or what was a big moment of accomplishment that you had? Mm,
0: obviously, there are a few, and I'll try to keep it short I think. One that just immediately comes to mind is I remember that we started, it was when we started to really serve hundreds of families already. And I very early on wanted to um, avoid my team collecting cash and have customers pay this into the bank so that it's all just more uh, with less problems. Um, And I remember that the first month when we were accepting payments through the bank, I checked, like I knew today was the day that we were going to start receiving payments. And I looked on, on the bank account and I saw sort of the payments coming in. And I was, I think that was a very emotional moment to me, not because as I, if you, I think you, you might by now understand, I'm not, I, I don't, I you almost think it's problematic that we're charging, but right now we have to, this is the way it works. So it was not about like, oh my God, we're making money. It was more like, oh, interesting. the, the Those who are paying and those who are able to pay, um, see a value in this because otherwise they wouldn't be paying for this. So that was really uh, fascinating to me. Another one was, and then another one, and I'll just keep it at that one is, was when I um, handed over my CEO role to someone else, to someone in the team, Um, just because I think that I love the idea that the organization has its own, you know, personality um, and 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 I I poured my heart and soul into creating a team and into creating a work with dynamic, you know, a way of working that I that I'm really really proud of because it's a way that um, respects everyone, where we make decisions together, where we discuss, where we we disagree openly. Like it's a very honest and respectful way. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to to have that sort of to hand that over and and have it sort of continue. Um, in its own way, is 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 cool, and that it attracts people who want to work there. And when people say, "Oh, I heard about this project in your university, in the university," and now I want, and I always wanted to work for you, and and I'm so happy to be here. Those those are kind of cool things.
1: Like you've built something that's bigger than yourself, and that might continue for who knows how long. That's yeah, fabulous. and that and that
0: attracts people for the for the reasons that I
1: believe. Yes. You yeah. created this culture yourself and you watched it grow. Yeah. That's that's yeah. so great. Do you think that having a co-founder yeah. is important? Would it have been harder to go it alone?
0: It's, I think it's important. I think in a way I did do a lot of things on my own because, mm. because my co-founder then moved back to Switzerland and we did we did continue. We, we still work together and everything, but I stayed in, in Peru. Um, I, I definitely think if you can try to, to build a team of several co-founders at the same time, you have to get along, and you have to be very clear about each other's roles and things like that. But when if that works, then I think that's better.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You hear that all the time, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a common thing that we've seen. A theme that's been in the that show.
0: That's been, but but also build. You can also build a team that is maybe hierarchically below you, if you if you will. Um, but if you have this work culture, it will, it will be a team that can also, that you, that you can obviously lean on. Um, so that's also important, you know, don't just keep it up there with the, those who, who, who had the initial idea, like pour it into the other people, pour it into everyone around you so that you, you, you have that strength in, in people.
1: That's so great. Well, we've got just a mm-hmm. few minutes left. So I want to ask a quick, quick question. What's the best piece of advice yes. you've ever received?
0: Oof, I've received a lot of shitty advice. <laughs> Sorry. I've, I've received <laughs> a lot of, sort of okay. unasked for advice. You cannot believe it, especially from, from men, but I, yeah. I did receive good advice. Um, I think one, one good piece of advice was from someone whom I was, I was trying, I was having trouble with the person in the team and I knew that she wasn't performing well. And I actually knew that I, that she should go, that I should look for someone new. But it's such a pain to do that when you're in a startup and when you're building a team. Like every person who leaves is, is a, a headache because you have to find someone else. And you want to build a culture. You don't want to let someone go. It's mm-hmm. not nice. But um, I didn't quite know how to go about that. Um, and so he gave me um, interesting advice because he said to communicate clear objectives and goals to that person to achieve in terms of really like numbers you know I was like by this month this and this should be should be reached uh, or something like something that both parties know should be reached so that then when it when when it isn't if it isn't reached you can have a, a sort of it's difficult, right? You can have a pragmatic conversation about it. You're, look, these are the things that we agreed to do and this hasn't worked, which is hard to do in, 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 in a startup mode because there you're constantly just, what, go, 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 go. So this sort of strategic, oh, this goal and this goal and let's measure, it's not so, so much there. But it is, that was very helpful. And then also within that, to, to let go of people sooner rather than later. It's not helpful for you or for them. Um, it's not, a, it's not a very positive advice but it was but um, valuable it's helpful because I think you also hear very little about how much hiring and firing um, or hiring you have to do when you when you build a, a company an organization and whether you like it or not sometimes you'll have to let go of people and mm. that's not it's not nice it, it really isn't
1: well that's that's very good um. So I wanted to say, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time. I really appreciate not only you being here and chatting with me, but also that you've dedicated such a large part of your life to such a noble cause. I wish you nothing but success. I hope that you're able to accomplish so many more of your goals and dreams in the next 10 years. I'm sure you'll do incredible things. So, so thank you really from the bottom of my heart for, for being here, first of all, for taking the time to chat with me. I do want to give you the last word. So where can people support what you're doing or find out more about what you're doing? So the floor is yours to wrap this up.
0: Well, so I, I would say um, for those um, looking to, to to support us or to help us out, I think the best way is, is you know, visit our website. Um, we try to, to have... Uh, there's currently an impact report up there you can you can find information and then obviously the best would really be donations we're, we're very very we work with large foundations um international organizations but every financial support that we can get that comes uh, in a way that we can be grateful and at the same time is not attached to sort of reporting and 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 all of those things is really great because we can we can translate that into um, often, I don't know, discounts for families or, um, special packages or special agreements for special, um, toilet installations. I don't know, you know, like in, in, in kindergartens and things like that. So it can always, we can, we can, we can do, or, or even sometimes, you know, a bonus for team members or things like that. So that's, that's really, really, really helpful. Uh, I know it's difficult and not sort of the most fun thing to do nowadays to simply donate, but that would be really helpful and then the other thing i think would be like more like a message to fellow social entrepreneurs and is it would be to to be to be to to reflect a little bit on on what it is that we do and 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 what it is that we do when we speak about things about problems about people Um, who do we speak to Um, and why why are we speaking (laughs) why are not other people the ones that are speaking for themselves you know Um, and, and to just, you know, reflect a little bit on that and, and think about what, what this whole idea of, of sort of, um, oh, you know, we go to other parts of the world to help them develop. Um, and that's a huge conversation that we can open, that I'm not going to open now, but like that's something to critically um, think about. And it doesn't mean that we have to eradicate social entrepreneurship. It means to make it better, but but it that... I mean, for us to make it better, we have to allow ourselves, among us, to become critical about it, to be, to be, <clears throat> and to talk to each other about that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's not, it's not very specific or very um, concrete, but that's what I would say.
1: Okay, great. And, well, and
0: I'm happy to be reached out to for those yes. conversations, so <laughs> <Okay>. please do. <laughs> and,
1: of course, you can find uh, that's sanimap esanim ap is the website. So, Isabel Medim, thank you so much again. And with that, the official podcast is over. Um, that was an interesting episode. I don't know how I feel about it. On the one hand, I'm very happy that somebody like Isabel is out there in the world working so hard. On the other hand, I'm frustrated at the political nature of this and that it's a problem that isn't being taken more seriously. Income inequality, extreme poverty, these are big issues. There's no easy way to tackle them. So I have the utmost respect for anybody who takes it upon themselves to really try to solve something this big. I just am so honored to have been able to sit down with Isabel Medem. I wish her nothing but the best. It's just been an absolute pleasure. If you like this show, if you like this story, if you believe in this mission, either reach out to her, reach out to Sanima.pe, or again, it's a special day, so make a donation. Make a donation to any of the approved UN charities for World Toilet Day or make a donation directly to her foundation. That would be the best thing that you can possibly do. Failing that, share this story with somebody who maybe takes their own sanitation for granted or somebody else who might actually want to be a part of this mission. So thank you very much for listening to the Be The Often Path podcast. You know, I appreciate you as always, and I will see you next Friday.